And welcome to episode one of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. We got a jam-packed show because the expansion lists have finally been released, even though they were delayed for 30 minutes for some reason. In any case, we have them now. We'll talk about who was protected, who wasn't protected, um, and a lot of surprises and shockers to tell you about. We'll break that down. Speaking of shockers, Jonathan Druin got traded, called it. We'll tell you so, where and uh, if it was a good enough deal or not. Sorry, you called, it a, you called it a year ago. Yeah. yeah, well, I still called it. Yeah, yeah. I still called it. Quote-unquote um, called it. Yeah. Uh, also, in our Bruins Sense segment, uh, we're going to talk about our teams. Carlson has surgery. Neil is apparently uh, heading out of town and uh, won't be coming back. Won't be an Ottawa Senator. Does he have a future in the NHL? And also, the Flames trade for a veteran goaltender. We'll talk about that as well. But first, shout-outs to all those past and present who have worn number 81 in the NHL. Uh, quite a handful still wearing that number today. Marion Hossa, Phil Kessel, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau wore that with Florida last year. Um, from 2012 to 2014 with the Capitals, Dmitry Orlov uh, wore that number uh, with Washington. Uh, Marcel Hossa, Marion's brother, wore number 81 as well during his time in the NHL. And who can forget the guy who has the devil's name as a last name, Miroslav Shatan, uh, war number 81 as well. So to all of them and to all the players we didn't mention, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brandon Steele. Only Mir War 66 or something. That would have been better. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah uh, you mentioned uh, Marchesol in that list as well, because uh, that's a fitting uh, player right now, because he, uh, he apparently got exposed in the Vegas deal. Um, so if you, if you've been living under a rock, I guess, um, there was an, there's an expansion list and it was announced, it was made public today. All 30 teams. All 30 teams. Today is Sunday, by the way, this will be posted on Monday, but today is Sunday. All 30 teams, uh, just happened. Um, so we're just going to go over names that stood out to us that were either exposed or protected. Um, it will be kind of all over the place, but I have a couple names here, um, and we'll just talk about them. So, um, the biggest surprises so far was, uh, Peter, Peter Morazic, um, Detroit decided to go with, um, Jimmy Howard instead of Peter Morazic, which is kind of interesting. Morazic didn't have a great year this year. He had a 9.08 save percentage, I believe. Um, let me just double check that quickly. Uh, oh, 3.04 GAA and a 9.01 save percentage. But still, he's 25 years old. He's not like he wasn't bad two years ago either with a um, 9.21 save percentage. Um, you know, he, he's been pretty good all year. Jimmy Howard's, like, thir in his 30s. Um, it doesn't really make sense for Detroit to do this. Um, but 
so he may be a Vegas Knight in, on Wednesday when the, uh, the expansion draft is at. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What's, what's your take, Steve? Well, you look at 2013-2014, only played in nine games, went 2-4-0. 1.74 goals against average, 9.27 save percentage. Both of his wins were shutouts. And you look in 2014, 2015, 16-9-2, 2.38 GAA, 9.18 save percentage, three shutouts. And then 2015, 2016, his best year, 27-16-6, 2.33 goals against average, 9.21 save percentage with four shutouts. And while he had a GAA over three, and Jared Coro took his starting job for a little bit while Jimmy Howard was injured, yes, and Jimmy Howard was arguably the better goalie numbers-wise, Peter Morazic stole their goalie of the future. Yes. He's the guy this team is going to be relying on. If he gets taken, and they're stuck with Jimmy Howard, who is on the wrong side of 30-plus now, yep. all of a sudden, Jared Coro's your goalie of the future, right. and he wasn't a sustainable Yeah. Villain for Peter Morazic, so I think they really. Dig, I really hope they haven't. Dig, um, they didn't dig themselves into a deep hole because yeah. um, they could have potentially kissed uh, kiss goodbye their best goalie in their system right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand what uh, Holland is thinking here, unless maybe there's like a deal in place that we're just not we're not aware of yet which yeah. i have a feeling it might be the case for most of these players that we're going to talk about who are exposed but at the same time it doesn't make sense at all cuz you're right peter morazic is their best goaltender of the future and i know he had a terrible season this year but that's that still doesn't mean that you should leave him exposed cuz like you know he could I have a feeling that was like a fluke year, and you're talking. You were talking about Jared Corot being your goalie of the future. He had an even worse year this year. Um, he had a 3.46 GAA, a save percentage of 8.887, um, and he only played 14 games. So I don't know. It, it doesn't scream like <laughs> it doesn't. If I was a Red Wings fan, I, that doesn't scream like. Oh, this guy's our goalie of the future then. So, and you, and you look at, at the fact that, and we're going to talk about this later, Grand Rapids Griffins, their AHL affiliate, went on yeah. a deep playoff run. Jared Coro's GAA was like over 2.7 at last check. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, well, I mean. And that's we'll, at the AHL level. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about, uh, I mean, that, that yeah, maybe, maybe they do think Jared Coro will be the guy, but. He hasn't shown it in the NHL yet, so I don't know. It's, it's and Peter Morazic has. In yeah. fact, they almost upset the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, not uh, this year, the year before that. Right. And, and Peter Morazic took him to seven games, and even the game that they lost in Game 7, was it was a pretty close contest, and he was making some really key saves. He played for uh, the, the junior team in my town in Ottawa, Ontario, the 67s, and there were times where you know they had a good team with Toffoli and Monaghan and CeCe, and there were times where, even though they had a great team, they were getting outshot like crazy, like two to one. And Morazic was standing on his head. Yeah. So this guy is—he's got bounce back potential. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't. I, 
there, don't know what else to say. But you're right. There's there's got to be some backstory to this. There's got to be something yeah. that we don't know about because they just wouldn't expose him like that. Yeah, I have, a, or a Ken, either that or like Ken Holland has some plan to get a goalie sometime this off season or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're in a rebuild, but it's still like. Especially with a rebuild, you should have your goalie in place. That's like the yeah, most it's, important position. It's just position. so odd these days to yeah. see the Detroit Red Wings make the wrong move, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's had some off decisions that were have been kind of like, what's going on here? But, um, I don't know. Like, uh, leaving Timu Pulkinen out, uh, that was just a strange move. But, uh, that's just off the top of my head. But, um... Yeah, I don't Mike know. Green, uh, Mike Green, people were yeah. questioning uh, that that contract signing. That was probably. an interesting one. Yeah, that's true too. Um, all right, I just I mentioned Marchesol because uh, he wore number eighty one, which is our episode number right now. But um, he was also exposed. Uh, he had uh, it's he had an interesting year this year because. Barkov and Huberdeau were both injured for primarily of this year, but Jonathan Marchesol basically took over um, the Florida Panthers and was a 30-goal scorer, a 20, had 21 assists for 51 points in 75 games, which isn't terrible, isn't great either, but still surprising. I, I'm like, I'd be uh, shocked if uh, the Vegas doesn't take this guy. Um, it kind of just shows what they think of uh, Marchesol, um, because I guess they just assume that Barkov and Huberdeau will be healthy throughout. Um, that was interesting. Also, uh, speaking of the Panthers, they decided to protect uh, Roberto Luongo and his, and uh, exposed uh, James Reimer. Reimer uh, had actually, a, it says on the list. Uh, m- maybe, maybe you said it incorrectly, but James Reimer's protected. Luongo's exposed. Is that right? I thought it was yep. the other way around. Hold on. Oh, Reimer is protected. Okay. Yep, and Luongo's exposed. Okay, never mind then. I thought. <laughs> okay, well Either that changes way, my another whole. good goalie for Vegas to consider. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think. I don't, well, my whole point was I like it was going to be like the. Peter Morazic, like Reimer yeah. is a good goalie, well, and that, that, you know Luongo's old. On social media, it's just like it looks like looks like Reimer is not going to be protected. Oh, apparently yeah. he is after all. Right. So okay, never mind then. But still, the Jonathan Marchessault uh, doesn't make sense that um, for them uh, to, he should be he should have been protected. Also speaking. They didn't make the Panthers did make some strange uh, protections though. They picked up uh, Alex Petro, Petrovich and Mark Physics. I don't know how to pronounce that guy's last name. Mark Physic. Um And they didn't. Uh, and they left guys like Jason Demers, Jakob Kindle. Um, I mean Yager, I guess, is exposed to. Colton Sevier. He's, he's a pending UFA. Yager's a pending UFA. Jokinen, I think, is also a UFA, too. But um, Skivier, Marchesol, Riley Smith, um, a lot of those guys. Uh, Sean Thornton's on here, but he's retired. Uh, Thomas <laughs> Fanick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny if uh, Vegas just picked him. Yeah. But, um, but, but it's just a, coming to work with us. Yeah, but overall, it's just a strange 
choice to leave off Jason Demers and Marchesol. Um, I guess it's a good thing that Vegas can only pick one of those guys, but yeah, um, but uh, yeah, you're right. You know, if you go for a four-four-one system, yeah. which I don't even know why they did it to begin with, right. Jason Demers, I would pick over Petrovic and Pisic any day of the week, and 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 this exposes more of your forwards uh, to to Vegas, absolutely, and that's another thing I don't get. Yeah, I mean, I think the other team that did a lot, like that did uh that way was the New York Islanders. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, uh, I know we didn't talk about this before the show, but Ryan Strom, Calvin DeHaan, and uh, Thomas Hickey are all exposed, and they decided to keep guys like Adam Pellick, who I've never even heard of, uh, Thomas Hammond, like they've kept five defensemen. Boychuk, Ryan Pulak as well. Yeah, Pulak, although I, I've heard of him at least. Um, he's like uh, supposedly a young defenseman. So they kept Boychuk, Hamonick, Letty, Pelik, who I've never even heard of, and Ryan Pulak. And then they, um, which left like Sezikis, uh, Ryan Strom, as I just mentioned, Calvin DeHaan, Thomas Hickey, Josh Bailey, uh, Jason Shamira. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me, but I mean, don't I don't forget Cal Clutterbuck and Brock Nelson. They're also yeah. supposed to, but those guys are like, you know, fourth liners, but yeah. Um, uh, Brock Nelson had a pretty decent campaign this year. Oh yeah. You might be right. I, I, I was, I think I'm thinking, I'll double check his stats right now. No, no, rate. I think you're right. I, I'm just, I'm losing it. But, but, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I'm just saying for physical standpoint, yeah. like, like Vegas could use a guy like Clutterbuck and Brock yeah. Nelson. 20 goal score, 45 points in 81 games. That's not bad. Right. Um, Jason, but like back to the Panthers, I don't know. It's like a, it's like you have a choice between Riley Smith, Marchesol, or Jason Demers. And those are all pretty good deals yeah. and are, you know, pretty good guys. And the Islanders have even like a crazy amount of players that uh, Vegas can choose from. So, um, and they've got a crazy know. amount of players that they yeah. are also exempt, too. So I right. guess that's maybe why they're exposing them. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes sense to... Obviously, it makes sense to protect Jonathan Tavares. Andrew Ladd, I guess, makes sense. Anders Lee, too. And Boychuk. Um, and Thomas Grease, I guess. But everyone else doesn't really make that much sense. But uh, Letty, too. But I don't know. Um, it was just a strange pick. It kind of makes you think that maybe there is some undergoing deals between the Panthers and Vegas and the uh, Islanders in Vegas because these are these are very questionable moves from both those teams. Uh, g- moving on, uh, I just mentioned Jason Mears. Uh, uh, Gabrick um, is also exposed. I know he's old and didn't have a great year, but I thought that was kind of surprising that the Kings didn't want it to Take protect him. I don't know if you have anything on that, but that nah, was surprising. Nah, I'm fine with that. Okay, um, maybe it's just me. Uh, Sammy Vatanen uh, is exposed, and so is Josh Manson from the Ducks. I mean, we kind of predicted that the Ducks would have this issue before uh, because they had a, a number of defensemen, and they didn't want to lose like guys like Raquel. Raquel and Silverberg, um, it yeah. just turns out that they, um, so they decided to keep 
Bieksa, who has a no-movement clause, Cam Fowler, and Hampus Lindum, which I guess is the right move, um, unless I, I assume Bieksa wasn't willing to move his no-trade clause, yeah. no-movement clause. Um, so that leaves Sammy Vatanen exposed as well. Um, if it was based on last year's numbers... Yes. I think they protect Vatanen instead of Lindholm, but right. Vatanen had an off year, and I think that's why ultimately they went with Lindholm. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, uh, Vegas wouldn't, like, you know, Vegas should probably take Vatanen. This is, uh, of yeah. course, also assuming that there aren't, like, these deals in the works already. Right, yeah. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if all these guys that we're talking about who are exposed, like, Vegas has some deal with these players or whatever. So. And George McPhee must be so stressed out but so happy at the same yeah. time. Like, if he's not getting a player that he wants, he's going to get a draft pick and probably yeah. like a he even, uh, he even He said he had some interesting things, too, where he said that there was no uh, – we will not make a claim from a club before we talk to that club. And he also said, which, I mean, is kind of gentlemanly of him, um, and then he also said that there was no surprises for us on the protected and exposed list. So I guess he already knows the deals from all these teams and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing for that. Um, uh, other deals, uh, Marco Sk- Matt Dumba, uh, Marco Scandella, Eric Stahl, all had great years this year all left exposed for the Minnesota Wild. They're another team um, where, you know, there was rumors that Boston or even uh, Montreal, um, who now is in desperate need of defensemen, as we'll talk about soon, they all, um, you know, that they were in on Jonas Brodeen or Matt Dumba this week. But uh, it turns out that, uh, I guess, the Wild realized that there is... A market for Brodeen and probably worth it to protect him. So uh, they decided to protect Brodeen, but that left uh, Matt Dumba, uh, Marco Scandella out there. Also, Eric Stahl was out there, which was interesting too because he had a career year this year kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if it was a career, but he had a good year um, this year. So I thought that was interesting. I know he's old as well, but it just... I don't know. It uh, it didn't really like. I I would think he he still has a decent year ahead of him. He's thirty two years old. He had sixty five points. Um, I don't know. I I might I might be tempted to take Eric Stahl. Um, um, if I were Vegas, um, you know, you kind of need a like a a some marketability for these guys. So I I might take Eric Stahl. Although I know Zucker's a, a, pro, um, um, he's, he's protected by the Minnesota Wild. Um, I know he's got some timely goal scoring, but yep. I mean, you look at guys like Eric Stahl and Eric Hall, I mean, it, it's a toss-up if, if I put one of those two ahead of Jason Zucker, or even Jason right. Pominville, too. Yeah, well, Jason Pominville, I guess, didn't want uh, had a no-movement clause, and he just uh, wouldn't remove okay. it. That makes sense. But, um, but yeah, you're right. Like, they didn't, I don't think... There was like discussion that they didn't that they didn't even ask Palmanville to move his no movement clause or something like that. Um, I'm I'm kind of surprised they picked Jared Spurgeon instead of Scandella though I'm or not. Dumba. But Spurgeon's the right choice. I don't know. I I I would rather have Dumba, but 
Uh, I guess that's just me. Um, and then, let's see here. We're going through this list quicker than I thought we would be. Um, <laughs> Tobias Enstrom moved his no trade, uh, no movement clause, so he's available now, which is kind of a cool thing for him to do on Winnipeg. Um, I'd imagine he'd be the guy, because I don't think Winnipeg has that many great players exposed. Um, let me just double-check on that. Well, Line is exempt altogether. Well, yeah, of course. Um, by the way, if you're a casual hockey fan and don't know, any first-year or second-year player can't be taken at all. So um, that's <laughs> why... David and the three rookies from yeah. Toronto. Yeah, and that's and why and, in Chicago. and Line A and all those guys. So that explains why there was. I was reading on Facebook on Bruins stuff, and there were some comments like, "Why isn't Carlo protected?" or "Or why isn't McAvoy?" It's just like, "Oh, come on, man!" Because <laughs> they're exactly do you even, yeah. Do you even know? Like, do you even know how hockey works? Kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, Why does it say McIntyre protected? He's yeah. our guy. Yeah, there there was <laughs> one that said like, "Why isn't Zane McIntyre protected?" or something. It's just like uh, <laughs> there's a couple who wanted. I, I mentioned this beforehand, before the show to Steve. Like there were so many who wanted Chara to be exposed. I was just like, "What the hell?" <laughs> First off, even if he didn't have a no movement clause, you should keep him anyways. It's just it was stupid. But yeah, so uh, to- Tobias Enstrom is exposed. Marco Dano, I guess, is available for them as well. So he'll probably be the guy, I guess, now that I think about it. But it could be Enstrom. And they also signed to a contract as well, I believe, two years. So they yeah. got some flexibility with him as well. Yeah, so it could be, it'll probably be Dano, I would guess. But it could be Enstrom too. That wouldn't be a bad play if I were Vegas. But, um, Dano's an interesting prospect because he's shown potential in the NHL. The yeah. problem is he hasn't gotten too much of a chance to play in the NHL. Right. That's the thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I would rather have a good D core if I was Vegas because I know D is key here So, because um, they're hard to come by. So I would probably try to get as the best D I can. Um, but it could, I mean, at the same time, you're right though, like Marco Dano has shown flashes of him being good. So I could see, uh, them taking him too. Um, you also have to, cause the, the Knights also have to be compliant with the cap as well. So, um, they can't really all take terrible contracts anymore. Yeah, they, they can't take the best money-making all-stars yeah. all the time. That's true, too, yeah. So, um, so I mean, some teams will be screwed in that sense, and some teams will be thankful that this draft exists because bad contracts yeah. and whatnot. And, and Timu Polkinen of the Arizona Coyotes is a prime example of a yeah. prospect that could be exposed that they, I guess, would be willing to take on because right. he's cheap, and he's got a lot of upside to him. Yep. Uh, we're all over the place here, but um, yeah. whatever. Uh, we try to stay on track. Yeah, we're trying. We have a list here of players that we want to talk about, but uh, we're talking about other things too. Um, James Neal um, is ex- left exposed. And it, like apparently, uh, David Poyle has said that he's talked to the Knights and they're not willing to make a deal with him. So um, it looks like James Neal might be on his way. Um, it's kind of surprising because Yarncrook is protected 
Um, so I don't know what's going to happen there, but, um, I mean, I guess. I think if they yeah. didn't protect Yarncrook, he'd be the guy that Vegas would take. Yeah. I mean, he's he's got long term. He's not getting yeah. paid that much, and he's he's got some upside to him. But you look at uh, the amount of money that James Neal's getting paid, and you look at his production value. It doesn't surprise me that they that they uh, that they, he's exposed. And, and the fact of the matter yeah. is, Nashville went with the four four one system. That's the system they need to go with because the main yeah. objective for David Poyle is to protect his four guys. And that would yeah. be Roman Yossi, P.K. Subban, Matias Eckholm, Ryan Ellis. All yeah. four are protected. So we did that. Arvidsson, Forsberg, Garen Croke, and Johansson are your four forwards. Um, but you take a look at also not just James Neal that's available. You look at Mike Fisher pending UFA. Austin Watson, who I believe led uh, the NHL in playoff hits. Colin uh, Wilson. Colton Sissons, who had uh, a good playoff uh, in the final couple of rounds. Craig Smith, who's a good veteran guy for them. All of them Colin are Colin Wilson as well. Yeah, Colin Wilson as well. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. But, like, the Predators did pretty well because they had to protect. Like, it would be stupid if they they didn't protect Arvidsson, Forsberg, Johansson, and it and it didn't make sense if they didn't protect Ekholm, Ellis, Yossi, and Subban. And so Yarncroft was the best of those exposed players that they wanted to keep. So they did all right in that, in that sense, but it's still like you leave a guy like James Neal out there who didn't have a bad uh, season either. So I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see that. It, it's it's bad yeah. because he's getting paid that kind of money. He's not living up to it. So Vegas True. can have him if they want. Yeah, I guess that is a good point though. I guess you're right. It's just, um, right. And it's also one of those things where Vegas doesn't, might not even take him because of that contract. So, um, and it's, I think it probably hurts more because they gave up Patrick Hornfuss to get James Neal. Yeah. And he's now won two cups. Yeah, that's so. a good point. Yeah. He's that's probably, probably why they wanted to keep Neil just so it didn't kind of blow up in their face. Maybe I don't know. That, that's possible. Um, Michael Camilleri is exposed. I know he's like I think he's over thirty, but that was kind of surprising because he was the best player on New Jersey um, this year. But um, yeah, he's. I remember him and Paul Mary had a huge dynamic there as yeah, well. Yeah, too. And um, Actually, I, I'm interested why the they player. they went with the four four one system. Because, um, yeah, they don't have too many fours to protect, but, I mean, Camilleri's on the wrong side of 30 probably, and he's making, like, $5 million a year. But I still think, yeah. I, I still think, even though the consistency isn't there, I still think he can pack some punch offensively. And, and I also think if they don't if they don't take James Neal from Nashville, I think they do take Camilleri from New Jersey because I still think he has some upside. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at his stats right now. I was wrong. He wasn't the best player in New Jersey, not even close. Taylor Hall not was the best this year, player. but I think the year before he was pretty good. Yeah, you might be right on that. Uh, Taylor Hall was the best player in terms of points. Yeah. But um, Kyle Palmieri then also had uh, a lot of points, too. But uh, Camilleri had 31 points in 61 games. I'm just looking at his stats now. That's not great. I know the Devils stunk last year, but, um, I don't know, I don't know, and he's also 35 years old, so I don't I, I don't know, I could see them maybe, I don't know. And, uh, yeah, I'm taking a look at his stats, um, the year before, 14 goals, 24 assists, 38 points, um, he had, um, 
just taking a look at uh, his power play stats as well. He had 10 power play points as well, equaled his total from this year. He only played in 42 games, though. So he was a point-of-game player with them in 2015-16. Yeah. So he, he, like I said, he still has some upside to him. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to the Sharks now. Um, they kind of had an interesting thing. They might have had the the weirdest protected player, Ryan Carpenter, um, who neither I me... I you're thinking, who's Ryan Carpenter? And the, that's a good question, because neither me nor Steve know who this guy is either. So um, Only played in 12 NHL games, and he's somehow on this list. Yep. Um, and that left a Michael Boddicker out to be exposed. He has a couple years left. Um, also, guys like Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton are also exposed, but they are a free agent this year. So, um, And the Sharks are still talking to both guys, yep. so it doesn't mean necessarily they're on their way out, but they yep. still feel like, you know, better protect a youngster in case, you know, two guys we're talking to don't come back. And also, um, Joel Ward is also... Um, exposed, but he's 35 years old, um, and I think he may also be a UFA too. Um, but yeah, I thought that that was interesting that they left Bodeker, especially since they signed him last year. So yeah. that was interesting. Um, okay, so now we go on to uh, protected players that surprised us. Uh, Nichushkin, um. Valerie Nichushkin was interesting for the Stars. He was protected, which kind of, there was, he, uh, if you don't know, he was in the KHL last year, and this is a good sign that maybe he'll come back this year um, because he was exposed, you know, he's protected, otherwise he'd be exposed, and uh, so this shows that the Stars want to keep him, um, which is, I guess it's a good move, Um, but, um, but also, I think you were saying that you were, oh yeah, Jamie Oleski asked, um, was the guy you were surprised was exposed, Well, right? uh, see, in the far as the youth movement goes, they had a tough choice. So they ended up going with Stephen Johns, John Klingberg, and S.L. Lindell. I think yeah. that's the right direction. Those are the three defensemen they had to pick. And if if they went the 4-4-1, then you look at their forwards, Ben, Fasta, Nuchushkin, Richie, Roussel, and Sagan, and Spezza. Then you got two of those guys that you're you're not going to have to protect. So um, I think the four, the seven three one movement is the way to go. But Alexiak, Jamie Alexiak, Patrick Nemeth, and Dane Hamus are are all exposed now, mind you. Um, all of them I think are due for new contracts. And then the Nachushka move is interesting because it leaves Cody Eakin exposed. Yep. And Cody Eakin has been a pretty consistent. Um, Bottom six forward, maybe at times even a top six forward for them. So um, that's that's. But I mean, this, that, they they wouldn't do that if they didn't think there was a legit chance that Nuchushkin was coming back. True, that's true. I mean, but like the stars don't really have an issue on the top six of their lineup. You know, if they have Jimmy no. Ben, Tyler Sagan, Jason Spezza, um, Patrick Sharp, in a way. Although Patrick Sharp was exposed, so I don't know. Why well, yeah, he's also a free agent. Oh right, right. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot. You'll get used to uh, hearing players. Why isn't he protected? Because he's yeah. a free agent. Even me, who uh, should know this stuff, it gets confused sometimes. Um, Take it, taking a look at Cody Eakins' numbers just quickly. Yep. Uh, only played in sixty games this year. Only got twelve points. Wow. 
So he had an off year, but in the years prior, um, 35 points, 16 goals, 2015-16, 19 goals and 40 points a year before that, 16 goals, 35 points a year before that. So 35 to 40 points score, that's pretty consistent. But again, this year, not his year at all. Um, so uh, Ryan Reeves was uh, somehow protected on the singles <laughs> Blues. Uh, he's an, he's one of the last enforcers in the league. Um, doesn't make sense at all. Um, but I guess it, when you look at who they, the Blues left to expose, it kind of makes sense. Um, only really Jory Laterra is the only one that stands out. I guess Neil Yakupov as well. David Perron's on there. Yeah, David Perron's on there too. That's true. Um, Neil Yakupov. Neil Yakupov too. Yeah. Um, that that would be an interesting move if the if the Knights picked Yakupov. It could be that could be interesting for them. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It was just an interesting move that he was the one get, like enforcer type that the Blues uh, decided to take. I guess Lucic was also protected. He, he definitely brings size to his game. He definitely brings size to his yep. game. Um, just taking a look at Perron's uh, numbers, for, uh, 18 goals and 46 points in 82 games this year. Uh, the year before that, um, split time with uh, Pittsburgh and Anaheim. In Pittsburgh, he had four goals and 16 points, was actually a minus 13 with the Penguins. Yep. And he got eight goals, 20 points in 28 games with the Ducks and was a plus 12. Um, minus two this year with um, with uh, the St. Louis Blues. So last year combined, he had thirty six points. This year, he had ten more than that. So uh, a bit of a bit of a bounce back year for Perron. Yeah, it was also interesting that like uh, they decided to protect uh, Paul Stasny. Um, I'm yeah, not sure. who's, who's been injury prone, and he uh, hasn't for... been as good as you know he was on Colorado. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it, it didn't make sense really. I guess they, I don't know. I guess they want a center maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Stasny actually 40 points in 66 games, six points fewer than David Perron. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we're going quickly here. Um, Alex Petrovich and Mark Sizik we just talked about and Carpenter we talked about as well. So I guess that's it. That's all I have here. I don't know if you... We're going to talk about Montreal in a second, but... Um, and Columbus, but... Uh, it would have been more. an interesting list, and, and we're going to talk about this in a bit. It would have been an interesting list if Tampa Bay had, um, I don't know, one less skilled for uh, one more skilled forward on it. And we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to segue into that in a bit. Yep. But it would have been interesting to see what... Uh, how... Um, how the unprotected list would look because with Tampa Bay, JT Brown, Jason Garrison, and Andre Schuster are the notable names for me who aren't being protected. I think it could have been a lot worse. And your favorite um, player, yeah. Corey Conacher. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can't forget that. Yeah, playoff yep. scoring leader at one point, Corey Conacher in the AHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good old Corey Conacher. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, let, let's get into it then. Um, yep. But uh, just, I mean, we kind of we kind of mentioned it throughout. But just to end this whole discussion on the list, the draft is on Wednesday, um, and I would imagine right now many teams are, have deals in place with Vegas. Like, 
we'll give you this draft pick if you don't take this guy and this guy and this guy. Um, and then, um, as we'll get to with the Blue Jackets, it looks like they had to spend a lot of... <laughs> uh, they had to uh, uh, yeah. give up a lot for that. Uh, but, um, yeah, so... And we'll and, also talk about who they drafted and who yeah. they drafted and who probably they should have drafted or stuff like that. We'll, yeah. we'll get into that part yeah. of it next week when we actually know who they drafted. And also, like we just mentioned, too, is they also have to think about the salary cap, too. So it's not yeah. like they can just take all these, like, guys who have large contracts. So it might mm-hmm. end up, like, hurting a lot of teams, but it might be benefiting some teams who are taking I'm on... I'm also interested know. to see if they take any UFAs, any UFAs. Yeah, that will be, be interesting, interesting to see if 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 they um if they start negotiating contracts yeah. and the players like now nah, I don't want to play with you guys right but I think yeah I don't know how that would work too because I think what would happen is like let's say let's say the Knights take a guy like Oshi for example I'm not sure or Shattenkirk or Shattenkirk or, Shattenkirk yeah. or Radulov or something they yeah. like. If they sign them before July 1st, then they count as the Capitals person or the Canadians person in Radulov's case. But if they don't, but if they don't sign, I'm not sure what happens. Does like Washington just get off free, or like do they just have to take a, a Washington player? Right? Yeah. I don't know how that would work, but yeah, it, it, it'd be an, it'd be an interesting case, but I'm sure they probably talk in advance with the player too. Oh, it's just okay. like if we draft you, are you going to come and play for us? Oh, so maybe that's think, what they're doing think, right now. Drew, I would think George McPhee would do his due diligence on that. No. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Um, all right, let's get going though. Rapid fire. What the hell is Montreal doing? Um, yeah. That's what. Every, I don't know if you got, I don't know if we've mentioned this publicly before, but Steve uh, writes every week. The day before, Steve writes me um, an email on like everything that's happened that we should talk about, and uh, one of the talking points was, "What the hell is Montreal doing?" So that's your words, not mine. Uh, <laughs> Tampa. Um, if you haven't heard, Tampa deals uh, Jonathan Duran for a 2018 conditional sixth round pick for Mikhail Shurjachev and a 2018 conditional second round pick um, for, in Montreal. Um, the condition is that if Shurjachev plays 40 games for the Bolts next year, there are no picks exchanged, less than 40 pick, less than 40 games. Uh, there are going to be those, you know, those picks will be in place. Um, yeah, conditional second for Tampa, yeah. conditional six for Montreal, yeah. Yep. Um, so this was an interesting deal. Um, should we, all, I guess we can also talk about, well, we'll primarily talk about Jonathan Drouin, but I'll also mention that they all, that Montreal also dealt another defenseman, Nathan Ballou, um, Bullio, but Bullio. yeah, another defenseman. Yeah, I'm terrible with pronunciations. <laughs> to the Sabres. pronunciations in yeah. particular, yeah. Um, to the, uh, he's another young defenseman for Montreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the Sabres for a 2017 third-round pick. The interesting thing here is that these are two um, division rivals or division teams for them. Yeah. Um, they're both young guys. 
especially last year when they traded a guy like P.K. Subban. Um, I think I would imagine Ber- Bergevin has some moves up his sleeve to get a defenseman um, in the offseason somehow. Maybe he has plans to sign Shattenkirk, although with Radulov um, in the deal, I don't know, he might, <laughs> it might be tough for that. So, um, it's, uh, it's a weird thing. I don't know what Montreal is doing. I get, and Drouin is also has some question marks too. He hasn't really shown that he can do, um, what he's capable of. He's more of like a power play guy. Um, but, uh, he hasn't really shown that yet. Um, that he can be more than that or be the guy that Montreal is looking for. Like, I thought they would be looking for a center, but I guess not. And um, so it's just a strange thing because now Montreal doesn't have a defenseman um, other than Markov and Emelin, and those guys Markov, are... Markov, by the way, pending UFA. Oh, right, right. Markov's a pending UFA. And they're, you know, and they're Nesterov old... as well. Nesterov as well. But those, my point is, is that those guys are old too. So it's they don't really have young yeah. defensemen. Um, but uh, it's just a strange, uh, strange move. Um, Shea Weber, they have too, but he's old too. So I don't know. Um, what's what's your thoughts on all this before we get into California? I'm going to go on a rant here, um, okay. and I'll explain how it's it's good for both teams. But uh, So, first off, here's why Montreal need, made this deal. They needed a dynamic offensive player. Fans for years were hoping for an offensive gem for Quebec to come uh, to someday drop by and deliver success to this franchise. They now have a player who can do just that. In junior hockey, this guy was a dominant force with the Halifax Mooseheads. Granted, he played on the same team as Nathan McKinnon, but still... 34 goals and 102 points over three playoff runs with the team. One of those playoff runs resulted in a Memorial Cup victory. And on any given night, this guy could team up with Nathan McKinnon and just dominate the opposition, whether it's making highlight reel plays or winning face stops. He could change the face of any match with just one one shift. And the best part about this guy is he's only 22 years old, so he's got plenty of time to develop the game his game and play the right play the game the right way but he's being thrusted into a role that i don't think he's ready for because while they did get 31 points in his final four three games this past season and while his 53 points in 73 games were a career high at this level he was a minus 14 over the final 43 games and in his first 114 games before getting 21 goals this year you know how many goals he scored Regular season and playoffs combined? How many? 13. Yeah. 13. Streaky as can be. So, even then, they decide to not only trade for a guy like Jonathan Druin, they give him a brand new six-year deal worth $5.5 million per season. And this is why it's a bad idea. You're basing this all on hype for starters. Secondly, he's making as much as some of Montreal's best players. Kiri Price is making $7 million bucks this year. Then he's a UFA. Drouin's making $6.5 million in the first year of his new contract. And you're talking about a guy who's played in over 500 games with the Habs. He's posted four 30 or more win seasons. And the new guy is getting paid five hundred grand less than he is without playing a darn game for them. 
And then you look at Max Pacioretty, 30 or more goals and 60 or more points in five of the last six years. He's going to be making $1.5 million less than Drouin this year. He's got two years left on his deal. And then we talked about the Habs still having to sign Radulov. They have to sign, re-sign Markov. They have Nikita Nestrov. They have Dwight King. And later on, we're going to talk about August Galchenyuk. He's an RFA. And they just shelled out a bunch of money to a guy who hasn't played a game for this franchise. And so I really don't like the signing because he didn't get a chance to show us he's worth $5.5 million a season. And we've got to remember that Tampa's got several weapons that could, to an extent, disguise his struggles. It's a completely different scenario in Montreal because if he struggles, everyone's going to be on him. Yep. And, 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 and we talk about all the hype around him. Bobby Smith, an NHL legend, just called him the best French player on the Habs since Patrick Waugh and the most dynamic since Guy Lafleur. You're being compared to two Habs greats. You haven't played a game yeah. for this franchise, and this franchise hasn't won a cup in 24 years. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, uh, according to uh, Elite Prospects, Jonathan Drouin has played in 164 games, um, and he's had 95 points in that in those 164 games. It's not great, not terrible, but um, uh, that's a .58 points per game. Yeah, and especially since last offseason when there was that whole thing about him going to Syracuse um, the AHL team instead of like playing in Tampa because he just wanted to be traded. It doesn't like like and like Tampa Bay is like uh, so much. I'm trying to think of a good analogy here, but like Tampa Bay is so less pressurizing um, to a player than compared to Montreal. Like if Jonathan Drouin has like a bad two weeks, maybe even a bad week. Yeah. You know, Montreal, the Montreal media is going to kill him. Um, every fan's going to kill him. You know, it's, it's, they're going to just talk about why did they even do this kind of thing. Um, so, I mean, it's just Bergeron's hoping for a lot. Like, you're right. He, he did, he did play really well in Halifax. Um, with, I'm just looking at these numbers 108 points in 46 games, 105 points yep. in. 49 games, you know, he could have been first overall. Um, it wouldn't have been surprising there um, instead of Nathan McKinnon that year, his draft year. But um, he hasn't really shown that much yet. So it's it's just uh, it's just a strange, uh, it's just so much high expectations for Druin, and I'm not so sure that he'll fill it um, yet, um, especially since um, since now. They don't have a. They don't really have that much of a young defenseman core yet because they traded away um, Sergeyev, who we were just about to talk to about. Speaking of uh, being good in the juniors and not uh, seniors, he has forty three points in fifty games his last uh, this season, um, which is really good for a defenseman. He only played. Also won a Memorial Cup with the Windsor Spitfires yep. about a couple weeks ago. Yep, exactly. Uh, he's you know, uh, Tampa like t- he could work out for them. This you know he was drafted last year, and that was also part. I thought that was part of the reason why uh, Montreal felt 
comfortable trading P.K. Subban last year was because mm-hmm. they had like an offensive-minded defenseman in their farm system like Sergeyev. So I feel like they're going to miss out more on Sergeyev even if Drouin does well. Um, so, and, yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I'm going to go back to, to the Sergeyev thing, if you don't mind, but I, yeah, I just sure. wanted to talk about Tampa and how smart of a move that Steve Eisman Steve just fleeced Mark Bergman because yep. they won this deal. They got something because they got something back that they need, and it's a deal they could afford to make because right. we all know the backstory with Drew in a few years ago. Uh, we remember a few years ago how the Ryan O'Reilly situation in Colorado ended up. Uh, same thing with Johansson in Columbus. Even though he got a contract extension, he was traded, um, I think, a year or so, maybe not even a year later, um, to Nashville. And so it was going to be really tough to sign Drew in, I think, as an RFA. They didn't want to risk anything. And now you have, coming back from an Atlantic Division rival, a defenseman that was taken in the top 10 of the NHL draft less than 12 months ago, a defenseman, like I said, that's won a Memorial Cup, who's been a top 10 defenseman in the OHL the past two seasons, and you put him on the same team as Anton Strahlman and uh, Victor Hedman, who can really run a power play, and then you also look at the fact that Truins one less forward that you have to protect. Yep. So you can protect Stamkos, you can protect Palat and Kucherov and Johnson. You can keep all those guys. Yep. And and then you look at you know Vasilevsky between the pipes. Um, this Tampa team is still going to be good, and now they've got someone that can make their defense better and is not even eligible for the expansion draft, so you don't have to worry about protecting him. Yep. And this is another reason why I think it, w- it didn't make sense for Montreal to make this trade. Druin's not a center. They need a center. He plays left wing. Yep. And there's all this talk about Galchenyuk, um, and I'm going to say this in advance. They didn't protect Thomas Volkanitz, who is old, but one of their better veteran centers. And you're just leaving him out there to be exposed to Las Vegas when your your uh, situation down the middle is already pretty weak. Yep. And yet you refuse to address that need. Everyone knows that either Matt Duchene or Gabriel Landeskog could be traded out of Colorado any second now. And everyone knows that if Colorado even considers trading one of those two studs, they're going to want a defenseman in return. Yep. The Habs just gave up their best defenseman, pro- their best defensive prospect, and then they give up Nathan Bolio. Uh, not even a day or two later, a day the Habs are going to ask. Uh, like, are you expecting the Habs are just going to take like two first round draft picks and say, "Okay, that's enough"? Yeah, they, they need defensive help right now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a strange move because defensemen used to be their strength, and now they just trade it away. I guess. Bergeron likes to trade away their defenseman. Was he the same? Was he the GM at the time that they traded away Ryan McDonough, or is that another GM? No, I, I, I don't know who the GM was at the time. But, but it wasn't Bergeron. That's an interesting point. I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. you got to wonder if this could be a McDonough for Gomez all over again, you know? Because uh, yeah. we all know how Gomez well, that, turned out in Montreal, and we all know how McDonough's doing in New York right now. He's the captain okay. of the Rangers. I was going to make the point that Bergevin just loves to trade defensemen of the future, but um, but if but I mean, it's still applicable if he's trading away Subban and Sergeyev. I mean, Bulio hasn't shown much, though, to be fair. Um, he's only... You know, he's had 60 points in 225 games in the NHL, mm-hmm. which isn't, like, great. I mean, I know he's a defenseman, 
Um, but uh, but still, if you're going to make still, a trade with Colorado to get a center, you need a defenseman. Yeah. And and now you can't even trade Bolio because yeah. he's on the Sabers now. Right. That's true. Uh, it's also like it's kind of interesting too because they traded Sergeyev and uh, Bolio to di- in their division. Um, so it's just a, it's a strange move too. So like if this backfires, which it likely will be, it's like, you know, you're going to be playing the lightning, um, more often, or you're going to be playing, uh, the Sabres more often too. So I don't know. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic. It does kind of remind me of when the Bruins traded away Dougie Hamilton and Johnny Boychuk. Um, and, and then all of a sudden they have defenseman problems because they don't have any young defensemen. So look at where they are now. But still, I didn't expect this because Sergeyev hasn't even played that much in the NHL. So yeah, um, he hasn't really gotten a chance to prove as opposed right. as opposed to Dougie Hamilton who had. So it, <laughs> it's even baff, even more baffling. So any any Bruins fan out there, and if a Habs fan give you crap for uh, for what. Dealing Dougie Hamilton just mentioned that they dealt Sergeyev, Subban, um, and Bolio. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of Habs fans, I actually asked some of my uh, the yeah. Habs fans that I have as Facebook friends. Uh, so he, one of them says he finds it odd that they traded away PK because of character issues, then months later traded for a guy that sat out half a season while demanding a trade. That's interesting. <laughs> yep. Uh, another guy has said he might provide offensive help, but he's a small guy. And he brings up a good point because Dwight King, who's a UFA is six foot four, the tallest on their roster forward wise. Martinson, who they just resigned on a one way is the second tallest. I think there's about four to six forwards on their team that are regular NHLers. Who are at least six feet tall. The rest are below that. Um, another one says, Thought Druin had a great second half. It's time for me to justify, though, if the player has rightfully earned his contract, especially with the design of the weak down the middle roster. And then another one who isn't a Habs fan says, He doesn't like the deal from Montreal's viewpoint because investing this much money and term in a flashy but unproven winger, consistency wise, can be costly and. He also feels as if all this was done due to the pressure of an underwhelming postseason and disappointing trade deadline. And he's got a very good point there. I think Bergevin was under pressure. He had to do something. Habs fans were expecting him to do something, and he went out and he did it. I just don't think, yes, they addressed the offensive need. I just don't know if he's making the right trades. And I really don't know what his plan is anymore, to be honest. Yeah, it is. I don't know what they're doing. There's, I guess we can go into Galchenyuk trade rumors, right? Um, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, uh, there's, uh, according to Elliot Freeman, there's a good chance that Galchenyuk gets moved. Um, I think there's a lot of interest in him. Um, I believe he was protected, right? Um, so, um, yeah. He's being so they wouldn't they wouldn't risk him going yeah. to Vegas. The same with Brodine and Mini yeah. if he, if there are trade options there. That's true too. Yeah, and uh, according to Ken Campbell, he's Galchenyuk's being actively shopped. Uh, there's um, and then I think there was one that said that um, there Galchenyuk is being shopped not because of his on ice play. Oh. 
According to Connor McKenna, here's the tweet I was looking for, is any Habs negative feelings towards Galchenyuk have more to do with off-ice than on-ice. Um, so that it, it's kind of interesting that a, a team that just got uh, Claude Julien as coach now has a, sec, a former second overall pick who apparently has some off-ice issues, and they also trade away all their young defensemen. So they're becoming like the Bruins, uh, but in the worst way possible, um, which I love. <laughs> yeah, which I love, but it's just it's just uh, it's hysterical that this is how this is how the Habs are are going. They're going. This like is the great Bruins. for the Sens and yeah. for our Bruins. Like we're yeah, just loving this right we're, now. We're loving we're just it, but it's just right it's just like when like I don't know if I'm like Don Sweeney or Peter Shirelli, I'd just be like wondering why like. Did the Habs not learn from the Bruins and like? Did they not see how terrible their their defense was? They like killed the, the Habs, killed us when we were terrible and struggling. So it's just, um, it's just funny. Uh, but um, I, I feel like the moves sometimes the best moves yeah. are the moves that you don't make. Yeah. And sometimes the worst the worst enemy is yourself. Yep. And I think Bergevin is his own worst enemy right now. Yeah, but I hope I, I hope for the sake of the Habs, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I I and I think I would imagine if Galchenyuk gets traded, he's probably gonna they're gonna try to get a defenseman to you know take on this thing, and or then, at the very least get a legit center, which they actually need. Because if you're giving up a center, yeah. you better you sure as hell better be getting one back. And then and you're right too, Plekanec is also was also on the uh, exposed list, although. He has one year left, six million. He's thirty-four years old, but it's still if centers you need centers, right? So yeah, um, it doesn't really make sense. I mean, I guess you have Andrew Shaw, who's twenty-five years old, um, but you still need he's and I uh, yeah, you don't really have great centers other than those two, Placanic and Shaw. But yeah, you would think that they would protect Placanic because you would you know. Because he's the least decent, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess we're we're thrilled for this, but it's still like just questionable. Like what oh, what's going on? It's great hockey material for us. Don't get me right, wrong. We love it as as fans of the rival team, but it's still it's just crazy. Um, yeah, we don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. Um, CBJ Blue Jackets. They reportedly have traded their first round pick. Um, that's 24th overall. To the Golden Knights. Uh, this isn't official yet because, I mean, I don't think official trades with the Knights are going to be publicized until the actual draft. But reportedly, according yeah. to Aaron Portsline of the Columbus Dispatch, he's, like, he's on the Blue Jackets speed. And I think he's like the only Blue Jackets reporter. I, I don't... Any other... Yeah. For some reason. But anyway, so he says... And I quote, the Jackets are believed to be trading this year's first round draft pick, number 24th overall, and a prospect not named Pierre-Luc Dubois or Sonny Milano, their two biggest prospects, to Vegas for assurances that the Golden Knights will select either left wing Matt Calvert, center William Carlson, or defenseman Ryan Murray. Vegas is side note, side note, Ryan Murray was actually protected. So, so 
it might be, uh, it, they might t- then take Matt Calvert or William Carlson then. Um, Vegas's acquisition of the contract of injured veteran forward David Clarkson may also be part of the deal too. So um, that would be interesting though. It is a little crazy because I don't think a first round draft pick is worth it. Um, I'd want to keep my first round pick, but um, if it means like getting rid of David Clarkson, at least it's somewhat reasonable, I guess. But it's still a crazy thing if this is all true, right? I don't know. Yeah, and, and you look at also how those late first-round picks turn out. Like Nick Foligno, who's with the Blue Jackets, yep. he was selected 28th overall by the Sens in his draft year. Yep. Sam Steele just last year with uh, with the Anaheim Ducks, or maybe it was the year before, he was taken 30th overall not too long ago. Yeah, and he's he's their best defense. Uh, he's their best offensive prospect. He had a huge year with the Regina Pats. So a late first round choice can go a long way for an organization. So a, a late first round pick is nothing to sneeze at by any means. And it's all and it's also it's, it's not like uh like I mean William Carlson and Matt Culvert were okay this year, but it's yeah. not like they're like. They, they weren't lighting be. it up or anything. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think it's like you should want to protect your first round. I could understand it if you're like, the say, like the Ducks or the Wild, um, who have like, like you know, Dumba would probably make a first round pick. Or um, if you're the Ducks with Sammy Vatanen, um, that would probably be worth a first round pick. But like, I don't know. It's just... May, I actually, now that I think about it, maybe a first round pick. Uh, it's still a lot and extreme, but like for William Carlson, Matt Calvert, and I guess you we were just saying Ryan Murray is uh, is already protected, so we don't have to worry about that. But it doesn't really make sense in that um, that thing for whatever reason. But um, it's also kind of funny too because like guys like Jack Johnson is protected. Um, and they don't protect anyone else, but, um, yeah, so I, I, it's just a strange move, um, and the other, I don't know if you have anything else on that topic. No, I, I think I'm good on the Blue Jackets front. I just ranted for a bit there. Yeah. Uh, Flames get, uh, Mike Smith in Arizona gets, uh, to, an Arizona gets a third round conditional pick. Brandon Hickey and uh, goalie Chad Johnson, both the Flames and the uh, Coyotes uh, protected Smith and Johnson. Um, it's kind of Mike Smith didn't really have a great year this year. I believe he had like a nine oh three geo save percentage, um, but like again, he was on the Coyotes, um, so. That could be something, but um, at the same time, and he's also 35 years old, so I don't even know if this is the right move for uh, Calgary Flames. Because um, I like Mike Smith was really good a couple of years ago. He's kind of like a Ryan Miller type. He was really good a couple of years ago. Uh, now, not so much. He had a, okay. I have his stats up here: um, 2.92 goals against average and a .914 save percentage. Um, and a 19-26-9 and nine record um, overall. Um, I don't know. It's it's a strange move. Um, I don't think... It also shows that, I guess, 
Mark Andre Fleury isn't going to the Flames. Um, I just I just don't think Mike Smith is the guy. I don't see what's what's wrong with Brian Elliott. I would imagine Brian Elliott's still the um, still the guy there, uh, still the starter for the Flames. But uh, unless maybe uh, they're planning on getting another person for their uh, you know another goalie in the off season. But I'd, I'd rather have Chad Johnson than Mike Smith, honestly. So I don't understand what, what the Flames are thinking, really. Well, first off, Brian Elliott's, guess what, unrestricted free agent. So right. he can sign wherever he wants. That's a good and point. And also, you look at the way their playoff ended, he didn't exactly end on the best of notes. Yeah, um, that's true. But, like, he played well towards the second half of the season, and it's not like, I don't know, and, the, and they were playing the Ducks, which is a tough team. That's know? true, but at the beginning of the year, when yeah, he struggled. everything was getting by Pat Johnson was the guy holding him above water. But he was a big reason why they were doing so well towards the second half of the season. Oh, yeah, and, and no doubt in the second half he was much better, no question yeah. about it, but, I, like, I'm just looking at Mike Smith. Yeah, he's at 35, and... John Chaka, their GM, addressed that. And yeah, you know, he's he's not exactly a spring chicken. But I think, and calling crazy, I think he's a capable goalie who's not only able to put his team on his back and steal some games, I think he got 30-plus wins at the NHL level. He's just been on a couple of horrendous Arizona teams that aren't consistently good, let alone mature defensively. Like this year, yeah, he was he went 19-26-9, um, a few years ago, he actually went 14-42-5. He faced almost 2,000 shots that season. So, yeah, he wasn't putting up good numbers, but it wasn't all his fault. And while he's not as good as the guy from 2012 who single-handedly took his team to the Western Conference Finals, I don't think he's washed up by any means. You wouldn't get a modified guy. You wouldn't get a guy with a modified no trade who's getting eleven million dollars over the next two years to play backup. Yep. And when you get a guy like Mike Smith, I'd be foolish to call him anything but a starting netminder. And I do think this is the end for Brian Elliott as a member of the Calgary Flames. Um, on the Arizona side of things, you know, you get a guy like Chad Johnson who was pretty good in the first half. He's not an everyday starter though, even though he got seventeen wins with the yep. Bruins as a backup. He picked up 22 wins on a young Sabres team last year, um, and like I ago. said, he had a like I said before, um, he, he started off ago. well with Calgary, but yeah, two years ago, yeah, I should uh, consider this year as last year now. Yep. Um, in my opinion, he's going to be a good Plan B for Louis Domingue, or vice versa. He could be a good Plan A, and yeah. Domingue could be a good Plan B. It depends on who they go with. I could see um, him. I could see him even being the starter. I mean, I think for Arizona's sake, they're you know they're rebuilding, so it's not as big of a deal if they don't have their goalie right now. But yeah. um, it is kind of interesting that I don't know he could be he could be decent for them. I could see it happening. What I also see is that Arizona takes a solid goalie this coming Friday in the yep. NHL draft. I, I think Michael DiPietro is the guy they should take. He's got. Right. Franchise goalie written all over him. He's won a Memorial Cup, thrives under pressure, guy who loves to come through for his team, and he loves to have fun. Perfect yep. fit for Arizona. Also, uh, although it looks like, if you've been reading any of these mock drafts, there's uh, the Boston University goalie, Jake, Jake Edinger. Odinger, yeah. Odinger. So he will probably be uh, off the list in the first round, and I don't 
think Arizona will probably take him in like <laughs> in the top ten. But uh, yeah, they're they're not. No, yeah. he's probably going to be a high or higher mid second yeah. round pick. So, and I think if Arizona's possible. in that place, they'd be wise to take him. Um, yeah, that, that's true too. Um, yeah. Although, like, do you think DiPietro is ready right now? Or in... He's not ready right now, but give him time. I think okay. he's going to be a franchise goalie of the future for them. Okay, interesting. We'll, we'll yeah, keep an eye on him. Of, in a couple of years, I think he'll be up here. All right. Um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's good for Arizona. If they should be probably looking for a goalie of the future uh, the sometime in the thing, draft. The worst thing that could happen is that Chicago gets him. If Chicago just gets a replacement for Corey Crawford, that's just going to be the worst nightmare for a lot of teams. Yep. Because the rich get richer. No, you're right. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's it on that subject. Also, the Coyotes also acquired uh, Nick Cousins from the Flyers. I don't. Ha- I think it was just a couple of draft picks. Um, this isn't really a huge deal or anything, but I thought it was interesting just to note. I think he was like a fourth line guy for the Flyers. I don't even know yeah, where he would be on the Arizona, on the Coyotes, but they have him. So there's that. Um, Mirko Mueller um, and another deal. Mirko Mueller uh, and a 2017 fifth round pick to the Devils for a seven, 2017 second and a 2017 fourth to the Sharks. Mirko Mueller was actually like a a decent defensive prospect for the Sharks for a bit, but uh, the Devils uh, picked him up now. I guess the Sharks, he just had a bad year this year, and um, the Sharks just didn't want to deal with it. So, uh, yeah, he's going to the Devils. Um, this could be a good pickup for the Devils. It would be interesting to see. Um, two first two two round picks. Though this in this draft is kind of a lot for just a prospect, though. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, a prospect that's hasn't played uh, that much at the NHL level. Only fifty four games. Only posted six points um, this year. He's twenty two years old, and he got twenty points with the AHL San Jose Barracudas. So a decent depth move, but likely um, likely scenario where he's a top four defenseman remains to be seen. But uh, enough to be protected by the New Jersey Devils uh, on their expansion protection list. So they obviously something they obviously see something in this guy. Um yeah, the Sabres hired Phil Housley as their coach. He was a former Sabres player. Um but the interesting thing about him is that he never he hasn't coached in the NHL before. He's always been um a kind of like a, an assistant coach. He uh, apparently from 2004 to 2013, Housley coached a high school hockey in Minnesota. And then he was the, from 2013 to 2017, he was the assistant coach for the Predators. He also coached uh, Team USA in the, uh, um, in 2013 in the World Championships. Um and where he got a gold medal that had like I think uh, had uh, Johnny Goudreau on that team, um, so there's that. And he uh, also served as an assistant coach on Team USA's 2007 and 2011 appearance in World in the World Juniors. Um, the uh, and then uh, yeah, so he's the he's the uh, coach for Phil Housley. 
it's kind of tough to know how he does, but it's it's nice to see that all his hard work uh, previously kind of showed, and uh, the Sabers are willing to take a chance on him. Um, what, kind of, what's also interesting is that Jason Barrell, his boss, worked for the Pens yeah. front office, and all also of a the sudden they situation. go from being Stanley yeah. Cup rivals to teammates in one day. Well, Botterill's the other guy who also doesn't have any GM experience before either uh, on the on the uh, on an NHL level, other than being an assistant GM. And now he, you know, he's taking on Housley, who hasn't been a coach in the NHL. So this could work out for them. Um, we'll see. But, I, I, um, think it's, I think it is going to work out for him because the, yeah. the, of the culture aspect. I mean, former yeah. uh, Sabres pick, six overall in the 82, played eight seasons there. He got 20 or more goals in five of his eight years, 60 or more points in yeah. all eight of those years. And he's a Hockey Hall of Famer, so he knows not only what the culture of hockey is like in Buffalo, but he grew up, uh, he was born in St. Paul, Minnesota, and they treat the sport of hockey kind of like Canada does. And another good reason why he he's a good hire is because he's coming off four years of working with arguably the best top four that this league has right now, yep. and that's Yossi, Ellis, Subban, and Ekholm. And, and you look at Buffalo's Sabres power play, Same. Buffalo's power play was pretty solid, but a big weakness was their penalty kill. And penalty kill, when you're bad at that, you usually give up some goals, and that's how you lose games. So I think they have a really good defensive mind that can – really get this team to where it needs to be. If they're able to do well in the penalty kill, give up fewer goals, I think they're going to have um, a lot more success. And uh, I, I think that's why Phil Housley was a good hire. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, and you're right about that whole defenseman thing, is he um, you know, he went from Nashville, which has a really good defenseman, and so he knows, and that's Buffalo's biggest weakness. So um, it should be, he should be able to make some changes in that sense, so we'll see. Also, in Sabres news, Linus Olmark is signed to a two-year deal. Um, I think he's just a backup, so it's not a lot of money, but um, he's there. Um, and also, Ocposo is ready for training camp. He had, um, there was some rumors that he had um, that you might be, it might be like a Chris Pronger type situation or Mark Savard type situation where he had like a medication, um, allergic reaction to a medication that he was taking for a concussion that he had. And it like, it just took him out for the whole year, but it looks like he's okay for now. So, uh, that's good news for them. Linus Allmark is to a two years deal. I don't know if there's too much to really say about that, but well, he yeah. had 20 games for the Sabers two years ago. He posted a 2.60 GAA. His AHL numbers weren't all that good. Turned around this year, 2.87 goals against average in 55 games this year in the in the AHL, and he won 26 games. Um, 750 grand a year at the NHL level. That's not too bad. Um, and with Anders Nilsson likely vulnerable to Vegas, probably. Omar could be Leonard's backup if uh, Vegas ends up taking Nielsen, and I think that's why they probably signed Omar to this extension, just as a just in case they get Anders Nielsen yeah. uh, from uh, from the Sabers, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and also uh, he recently got married. So congratulations to Lionel Omar. And he's twenty three years old. Uh, yeah. it's seven uh, seven fifty thousand. I just looked it up. But uh, it looks like it's a minor league deal. I don't know what that means, though. But, yeah. Yeah, 
I mean, it could be a two-way deal, but um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good safety net for the Sabers. Um, Tivo Teravainen. In other news, um, I have great transitions, by the way. Uh, <laughs> two years uh, to the Carolina Hurricanes uh, with an AAV of two point eight, um, and that's not a terrible deal either. Um, I don't have his stats in front of me, but. Um, it's 32 goals and 86 points in his NHL career, set single-season highs this year with 15 goals, 27 assists, and 42 points in 81 games. Um, Going to be heavily leaned on once again by the Hurricanes, and I think this is a good depth move for them, and uh, uh, interested to see what he does for an encore. Yeah, um, and then Eric Goodbranson from the Canucks got signed for a one-year deal, $3.5 million. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a prove it deal essentially. Like yep. he he only played in thirty games, uh, fifty two games missed due to injury. Only recorded six points. Top three draft pick by Florida in twenty ten. This is a straight up one year. Show us what you got, kind of deal. Yep, and hopefully he does well. Uh, NHL salary cap to seventy five million next season, which is a two point five increase. Uh, this is a little small tidbit. Uh, also, so the cap ranges. Uh, was fifty five point four million this year to a ceiling of seventy five million for next season. Um, so this is good news for all those teams that are cap strapped, like those poor Chicago Blackhawks and Pittsburgh Penguins um, and Washington, and Washington Capitals. Capitals and Anaheim yeah. Ducks. Uh, but um, yeah, so uh, I guess this is kind of good news, kind of bad news. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Um, but um, so, yeah, it's good for a lot of teams that were in cap situations, so it looks like there won't be that many things, which is kind of a shame, though, because I, I look forward to trades um, yeah. and GMs making stupid uh, deals just for the sake of being under the cap. But oh, I got one this week. So. Yeah, we did have one this week. But I want more. I want more. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we all want more of that. But um, uh, Just quickly, by the way, yeah. Um, well, we have one more left. I'm and on about the buyouts. I'm quickly going to mention it. Speaking of stupid uh, signs. Oh, did I miss the buyouts? I'm <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, um, Dan Girardi. Francois Boschman, that, that didn't turn out well in Colorado. Avs are expected to cancel his the final year of his contract. Yep. Uh, also had a no movement clause, so they probably took that out of the way just so they could protect another defenseman. Yep. Um, I think he's... Probably going to get a two-way deal if any other team decides to take a chance on him. I don't think he gets a one-way. Uh, Dan Girardi, bought up by the Rangers, wasn't even asked to waive his no-trade. They just cut him. And um, basically, they're going to be uh, paying him, um, according to TSN.ca, uh, he was owed an annual cap hit of $5.5 million. His buyout will leave the Rangers with a retained cap hit for each of the next six years. He'll count for $2.6 million against the cap next year, three point six in the next two years, and $1.1 million for the following three seasons, starting in 2020-2021. And at the age of 33, undrafted, I still think he could make some noise. Uh, probably going to get some calls, maybe even from Vegas as a free agent. And here's the big one. Um, from the Anaheim Ducks, they bought out Simone Dupre. Um, only one played one game last year before landing on long-term injured reserve. And before the start of this year, signed a five-year contract extension with the club, leaves the team with four years remaining on that deal at $3.7 million on average. 
Missed 42 games due to concussion-like symptoms in 2015-16. This likely leaves room to sign Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler to contract extensions. So that is why yeah. the Dupre buyout is so significant. I could see uh, Girardi and Boucherman, uh like being signed by another team the next season. Um, I don't. I know they're not as good as they were last year. You know, uh, earlier in their career, but mm-hmm. they, they have some value, kind of like a Dennis Seidenberg um, on the yeah. Islanders kind of thing. So, um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see where they go. Um, it, I don't think they're. Be, I don't think they're going to retire though. I think it could be to a place like Philly, though. Yeah. I think Philly, they look for a good defensive defenseman. I think they need that. I think Colorado maybe takes a chance on Girardi. Yep. And there's also maybe a team, I don't know, Montreal that could use a defenseman. <laughs> yeah, but they don't need old defensemen like these guys. <laughs> yeah, if they don't re-sign Markov, they could use a less than old defenseman. <laughs> I don't know to fill the void, but yeah. yeah. I, for some reason, I mi- I skip I uh, forgot to mention the buyout. So thanks for no. Uh, we we were we were him and on about it uh, before the show. So it's yeah. okay. Anyway, uh, Calder Cup, uh, Grand Rapids, the uh, Detroit Red Wings affiliate. So one good news about Detroit this week: uh, yeah. they win in six. Um, they also went to McDonald's and spent four hundred bucks. That's yeah, I believe some of the players took an Uber to get there on top of that. A second time in five years yep. that team has won the Calder Cup. So good for them. Yep. Um, we're now off to the Bruins and Seven segment. So we're each going to talk about what they did for their biggest protection list. And then we have some news for what they did this week as well. Um, so I started last week. You go this week. So since. Okay, uh, I'll also have some sense news, but um, yep. you, you can you can chime in on uh, the expansion stuff because I want to hear from you on that. Sure. Uh, so heading into um, heading into the expansion draft, I was really worried about Ottawa's defense because once upon a time they didn't have too much depth to put themselves in this position. I mean, you look at Anderson, Craig Anderson, already been protected. The only guarantee besides for no snow movement clause, they asked him to remove it. Um, didn't work out. He wants right. to stay, which is which is great. I like when yeah, players say, "No, nah, I'm, I'm I mean, good here." Yeah. What's the point of no movement clauses if if you can't if you're gonna waive it just because your team asked you to? You yeah. Know, and I guess I guess the probably the theory purposes. was you know they probably won't take Bobby Ryan at like seven million, so they yeah. won't take for enough at seven point two five. So we'll just nix the no movement and protect yeah. CC and thought problem. So well, it also but, gives you like more uh, appreciation for guys like Mark Andre Fleury and Toby Enstrom who did oh, yeah. willingly move their no their no movement clause. So yeah, day after Fleury wins yeah. the cup too. Exactly. Right, right. Yeah. Um. So obviously they slam dunk. They're protecting Carlson. Um. I said they'd be wise to go out and protect my thoughts um, and ask Dion to waive his no moves so they could protect CC. Didn't happen. Um, the eight scares and one goalie method, I'm not even considering that possibility because they exposed way too many good players up front if they went that route. Um, in my opinion, I thought if um, if Dion would stay put, which he did, that Mathod and Carlson would be protected because they have Thomas Shabbat coming up in their system. He's got... The same, uh, you know, the same kind of hype, maybe more hype to his name than Cody Cece did when he was coming out of the the junior ranks. So I was thinking, you know, 
It'd be tough to part ways with Cody Cece, but we have Shabbat coming up. We don't have too many Mark Mathots. They don't they don't come around very often. Well, that was kind of interesting. I don't know why Mathot was left off. Yeah, the list. and and so yeah. so uh, well, we might as well just rant, rhyme off um, the protection list right now. Sure. On forwards, Derek Broussard, Ryan DeSingle, that's a shocker. <laughs> Mike Hoffman, Jean Gabriel Peugeot, Zach Smith, Mark Stone, Kyle Turris. Cody Ceci, Carlson, and Fanuf are your three protected defensemen. Anderson, of course, protected in goal. Uh, my worry is that in order for Vegas to not take my thought, they'd be asking for more. Because in my opinion, in the here and now, he's got more value than Cody Ceci does. Yep. And so the compensation for the need to keep Ceci would be less than it would be to keep Mark Mathot on yep. the team. Either way, we're going to pay something. Also, if on, sorry, if on the fluke chance that they don't... Um, that Vegas doesn't take a Mark Mathot or a Cody CC or or a player of that caliber, or um, then they they probably be taking a guy maybe like more Mark Borowiecki, mm. who over the last two years has 635 hits, actually led the NHL in hits this year with 364. That was one shy of Matt Martin's league leading 365 hits a season ago. He's making less than two million dollars a year. Vegas would be wise to take him. I don't know. And, I can I chime in here. Like, uh, I don't know if hits, I mean, I guess hits used to be valuable in the NHL. I don't think they are as much anymore. It's the same thing. I know you're going to talk about Chris Neal later on. It's kind of the same thing with him. I don't know if their mold is as valuable at all, if at all, um, anymore. So I don't know. I would be surprised if Vegas took either one of those two guys. Yeah. Um, so the other two guys I was thinking was Freddie Clayson and Chris Weidman because mm. both guys have serious NHL potential. Freddie, when he's been on the ice, he's shown me a lot. And, um, I, I, they, again, the, the, it doesn't take them, uh, it doesn't uh, pay them much. So, uh, if they're up against the cap and they need a defenseman, uh, that can, that, that doesn't cost that much. You know, a guy like Clayson or a guy like Weidman would go a long way for them. Um, now up front, I, I was a bit surprised that Ryan wasn't protected because he had a monster playoff, but yeah, I thought he should have been. Here. I just thought, why Ryan Dzingle over Bobby Ryan? You know well, I mean? to be fair, well, to be fair, Zingle did have a decent regular season. Ryan didn't really have a great regular season either. And also, we're—I assume you're about to mention that Bobby Ryan has a seven million contract. Um, mm-hmm. A long-term contract for five years, so I Vegas it might be uh, you know Vegas might want uh, would have to deal with that or keep that in mind if they want to take Bobby Ryan. He's kind of like a James Neal in that sense yeah. too, and, exactly. And that's kind of why I suggested getting the the no movement clause off enough contract right. so they can protect CC. And you even thought. you like he even said a couple of weeks ago that like Vegas can take me if they want it. My contract, you know. Yeah, yeah. Bobby Ryan said uh, when he was asked, he was worried. He's like, that, "Nah, they, they, they. I don't think they'll want anything with my seven million. I think I'm good." Yeah. So I mean, like, it was one of those things where I was surprised, but then I started to realize, like, yeah, I guess he has a point. So. Now, getting back to Zingle, uh, yep. nine points, three goals in thirty games in 2015-16. This year, fourteen goals, thirty-two points in 80, 81 games with the Sens in the regular season. Oh, I thought so, there was more, but I guess not. He had a pretty not. good first half. Second half, he kind of teared off a little bit. Um, but he, he was really stepping it up at, at certain points in this year. So certainly, Dezingle 
deserves to be in the conversation. Uh, Burroughs, not protected, not surprised because, like we said with several guys in this podcast, not the guy he once was. Yeah. Um, and if the Saints protected him, then either Smith or Pajot get exposed. And if Pajot is exposed, I'm almost certain that Vegas takes him. Um, so o- overall, I think in the expansion draft, uh, I-, I think I-, I think I don't think they either take MacArthur as well because I mean we all know what the concussion problems. They're not going right. to risk a roster spot on a guy like Clark MacArthur unless he's like a free agent. Yep. So I think I think we're we're wise to to not protect him there. So I think all in all, I think they did okay on the expansion draft. I'm just disappointed that they couldn't protect Mathot and CeCe mm. with, uh, without, you know, having to give up a reasonable price to Vegas so that they couldn't take them. But anyways, that's the nature of the beast. Um, now talking about defensemen, um, do you, do you want to talk about the Sens news later or, um, no, or do we you can want to go to now. your Bruins on the expansion thing? Well, we can, uh, no, you can go on your Suns news, but uh, do you want to talk about, like, who you think Vegas will take, or? I think if my thought's available, they take them. Okay. If, if the Suns don't have. Yeah, the that Sens would be my pick, too. If they don't have a deal in place, I think, McC- I think my thought is gone. Yeah, I think it's... If they do have a deal in place, I think either Wyman or Clayson the Gleaves. Yeah, I could see that. It's either Mathot or Ryan, if they're willing to take Ryan's contract. It's really I don't think they will, Yeah, okay. So go on. <laughs> okay, so now getting back to defensemen, we all knew Carlson was hurt. We didn't know exactly what he was battling through. In the early stages of last week, we got the full specs on his injury. Uh, the Sens captain underwent surgery to repair, I'm going to say this very slowly, torn tendons in his left foot. He was playing on torn tendons on top of everything else. He was playing through torn tendons, and if we didn't see anything, we wouldn't have noticed. Uh, recovery time, approximately four months. That puts him at a mid-October return, roughly when the regular season starts. And frankly, I don't care if he misses the first five games or the first ten games of the regular season. When he comes back, he needs to be at 100%. This cannot linger for an entire season because he might be a defenseman. But it's easy to see why their offensive style runs through him. If you watch the way he plays, if you watch the way he runs the power play, and while their power play was inconsistent throughout the regular season in the playoffs – he runs the special teams, and um, like I said, they need 100% healthy Eric Carlson. They need to take their sweet time with this injury. They cannot rush him back. Now, we talked about Chris Neal, or you alluded to Chris Neal. According to Post Media's Bruce Garriock, Neal is going to be parting ways with the organization, and he will become a free agent this summer. Uh, Todd Reynolds is Chris Neal's agent, and he says that uh, in, it, in his opinion, he feels confident that his client's going to find work in the NHL if he still wants to play. And when asked if Neil's desire to win a cup, uh, whether or not that was a factor in uh, stepping away from the team, he pointed out, hey, Nashville just went to the finals. And Ottawa was really close to reaching the finals themselves. Um, but at the end of the day, it came down to playing time. He wasn't going to get it here. And uh, Neil actually said a good chunk of the blame was on Guy Boucher for not really giving him a fair shot under his regime. under his regime, And to a certain extent, I guess that's a fair point, because he only played in 53 games. He was on the outside looking in once the playoffs rolled around. Averaged less than eight minutes of ice time this year, which is about two minutes less on average compared to a year ago. But you look at the moves that Pierre Dorian made. Um, Tom Pyatt, Chris Kelly at the beginning of this year, 
Tommy Wingles, trade with the Sharks. Alex Burroughs, deadline from Vancouver. Victor Stahlberg, deadline from Vancouver. Eventually, Colin White's going to become an everyday NHLer. And then you look at the two that they subtracted. Matt Pumple, who was once a multi-30 goal scorer in the OHL. And Curtis Lazar, a former first-rounder who a couple of years we drafted, gets dealt to Calgary at the deadline because he was also being scratched as well. So while he's a fan favorite and it makes it tough to digest, it's a smart move for both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to become uh, a member of the Ring of Honor that they have at the Canadian Tire Center. He's going to be a senator for life. But to bring him back another year in an even more reduced role just wouldn't feel right. I really think he's a valuable hockey guy. and He's still an everyday NHLer. He deserves playing time, and I think he's going to get it. Um, I don't know. The one thing, the one thing oh, I would sorry. rather to be easiest on my heart is that if he didn't go to Montreal or Toronto because that would be very tough to watch him play for that I team. Don't, Although it would be hilarious to watch their fan bases react. I don't, I don't know if there's much value in Chris Neal. I hope you're – I think you might be right that there will probably be a team that will want his services, but I don't – I think he really only plays see. for another year or two, though. And then watch him, like, go to the Bruins, though. That'll be funny. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be super awkward for you, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would be. Because especially just what I'm saying right now is on the record. But, yeah, it would be funny. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, though. This is the same team that uh, – the Bruins are the same team that got uh, Zach Ronaldo. So, uh, for a, did they trade a first for him? A third. Or a second third. or a third? No, they a third. They traded a reasonable pick. It was a third. Uh, yeah. Still. <laughs> I'll talk about that in our in our in my Bruins segment, but yeah. And, and I uh, <laughs> felt like I had to interject. Junior hockey, I also yeah, have some ahead. junior hockey news to address if you sure. want me to do that. No, right go now. ahead. Yep. Uh, so the Ottawa 67s for a couple of months they've been looking for a new general manager and a head coach, and they found both. Uh, James Boyd's calling the shots from the manager's press box. Recently, the GM and head coach of the Mississauga Steelheads, who eliminated the 67s in six games, coincidentally a few months ago. Uh, they also went to the OHL Finals. Um, their run ended about a month ago, thanks to the Erie Otters. Um, as a player, he w- he actually played with the 67s, then uh, got into coaching at the age of 23 back in 99. Um, and coaching is where we lead off uh, because Andre Tourigny, um is the guy who is now the head coach of the 67s. He knows the Ottawa area quite well, as a matter of fact because he was an assistant with Dave Cameron's staff in 2015 with Ottawa with the Sens, and he was also a member of Patrick Waugh's staff in Colorado two seasons before that. Uh, last year, he was the head coach of the Halifax Mooseheads in the QMJHL, and in 05-06, he won Coach of the Year in the Q with uh, Ruin Naranda, uh, also an assistant coach to the Canadian World Junior Team in 2010 and 2011. They won silver both years. Um, and all of this was made possible because a few months ago, Jeff Brown, who was the head coach in GM, uh, left the team for personal reasons. And when asked about these two new additions, OSEG president Jeff Hunt had this to say, quote, we've hit the jackpot here. This was a big decision for our hockey club. We scored big with James and Andre. There are 27 years of major junior coaching experience and 19 years of GM experience between them, and both have been highly successful we definitely got the right guys. And for 67's fans, I'm sure they really hope that Jeff Hunt is correct when he says that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we'll see. Okay, we have the Bruins kind of have similar news because we have some coaching changes. Player that we, uh, we're not going to resign, um, but we're going to start off with um, the Bruins. What the Bruins did um, in their protection list. Um, not too many big surprises, I guess. Um, David Backus, Bergeron on the forward. Let's go with the forwards first. Uh, Bergeron, Backus, Marchand, Krejci, uh, Pasternak. Um, those on the forwards list, those aren't big surprises and players that they should have kept. Uh, Riley Nash, Ryan Spooner are also protected. Um, it's interesting because Ryan Spooner was supposedly being shopped, so I guess it's kind of like that similar Galchenyuk um, situation in Montreal, where they're you know, they're, or uh, Brodine in Minnesota, where they're protecting players that they're planning on shopping later. Um, Riley Nash was kind of interesting too, only because they're leaving Matt Bolesky out. I kind of, I feel like Matt Bolesky still has some left in him. He didn't have a great season this year, uh, for sure, but he was also injured, and I feel like he can, he can get it going again. So I found that interesting um, that he was ex- left exposed. And Riley Nash is, yeah, he's a great PK guy. Um, and a good, like, energy guy for your fourth line. I'm not sure if he's worth protecting, though, but um, but he is protected. So I thought that was strange. As for defensemen, uh, Chara and Krug aren't big surprises. Kevin Miller is a bit of a surprise. If you told me this last year, I would have, like, just gone into a heart attack. Like, Kevin Miller? What What the hell? Um, but like this season, he, he, he showed me, he proved himself. He's been pretty good. He was, he was very good defensively. He has a lot of experience. Um, he was, he was good in our, in the playoffs, especially considering the Bruins had Krug and, uh, Carlo and, um, McQuaid injured during the playoffs. And, you know, Kevin Miller was one of our better defensemen. So, um, that, wasn't as big of a is kind of an interesting thing um but um that leaves that Colin Miller, Matt Bolesky, um and uh Malcolm Subban are all left exposed. Oh yeah, of course. Uh Tuka Rask is also um protected as well. I'm sure Michael Felger is happy about that. Um but um yeah, uh, it's uh so I would imagine that the Bruins will take, or the, the Knights will probably take Colin Miller. Uh, he's a young guy, 24 years old, uh, has one year left on his contract, $1 million left. Um, you know, he's 24 years old. He's not great defensively, uh, like even guys like Claude Julian um, and um, both, both Claude Julian and Cassidy both didn't seem to like him that much, and he'd probably, in the grand scheme of things, he'd probably be a a bottom pairing defenseman, anyways. If he were to be to stay in there on their team, but um, at the same time, it it feels kind of weird to have to keep Kevin Miller because um, I feel like Colin Miller has more potential. 
uh, to be good. Uh, Colin Miller has a great shot. He's great offensively. Um, so I don't know. It ultimately it may not matter. I'd I'd rather the Knights take a guy like Malcolm Subban or you know uh, Bolesky or Jimmy Hayes, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, just given how the the goaltenders that are available and just the contracts for Bolesky and Hayes. So I think Colin Miller will be the guy, and I don't know if it will hurt us too much in the long run, but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, again, he's a young defenseman. Um, and I know we have McAvoy, Carlo, uh, Zaboral in the works, Jeremy Lazan in our farm system. But he can never know. have too many good young exactly. defensemen, right? Exactly. So, so that's why it's it's more upsetting, like, I'm not even mad that we're leaving Colin Miller exposed. I think it's just just that like if you're going to expose the person, then why don't you just make a trade to at least get something for him? Um, so I don't know. It's, it's an interest. It's, it's, a, it's this weird move in that sense. Um, it's going to be sad when he goes, but I, I'm going to try to uh, get over it pretty soon. Um, and hopefully, you know, the Bruins are right about him and he's not a, like a, a star defenseman eventually, uh, like Dougie Hamilton is. But, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on what the Bruins did? Well, I call me insane because I didn't know the Millers too well. Would you protect McQuaid over any of those two? Uh, yeah, McQuaid, he has experience, but he's not, like, great offensively. He's good defensively for sure, but I think we could lose him. So I don't think we um, he is worth protecting. Yeah. So when I when it before the list got out, I thought Krejci, Bergeron, and Backus they were all safe. They had all new no movement clauses. So yep. with the final four, I would take Marshawn, Pasternak, Spooner, and Bolesky. Of course, Bolesky wasn't protected. Riley Nash was. I didn't see that coming. Marshawn um, has a no movement clause. Okay. Um, so Chera also safe. Yeah, we agreed that Sedan Chera is going nowhere. Um, McQuaid and crew. Yeah, would despite be the what these protect. Facebook people say. But yeah. 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 And then uh, McAvoy not even eligible, so we don't have to worry about him. And Carlo. Uh, if as well. they if they went with the four four one method, um, then they would have you know probably a guy like Pasternak that would be exposed. Spooner would be exposed. And yep. then and, and then you've also had McQuaid and the two Millers that would be exposed. So the four four yeah. one method would be the worst way to go for them. So yeah, um, I, I think they did all right. Yep, I think they did okay. Yeah, I think they did. Ultimately, even if like whoever they chose, I think will be okay. I don't think like the only the biggest worry is like let's say they do take Colin Miller and he turns out to be like. The a next stud. yeah, Doughty, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, oh, we got him for nothing, you know, we just left him for nothing. Yeah, we just let him walk, yeah. 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 And also, we got this guy, uh, we got him from the uh, Lucic deal, we got him from the Kings, so um, it's one of those things where we might lose him for nothing um, in that respect, too, so... Yeah, how about that? Eh? You you get Luch, you get yep. Colin Miller and Martin Jones, and then you trade Martin Jones to the Sharks. Yep. And then you lose Colin Miller to Vegas. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it'll, yeah it'll, that would that would bad. hurt the ego pretty bad. Yep. It's not. It, it won't be exciting, but it'll be some. It's something I'm used to as a Bruins fan. Yeah. This is what they do. Uh, Goes through that as well. <laughs> Bruins hire uh, Kevin Dean as the assistant coach. 
uh, Cassidy was the assistant coach, and then he was promoted to the head coach, so they had one assistant coach left uh, spot available. Uh, this is Kevin Dean's spot. He uh, took over the uh, Providence Bruins when Cassidy did get that interim job. Uh, so it kind of just shows that this is what the Bruins are thinking in terms of helping their young guys into the big leagues, um, which is makes even the Colin Miller trade even more questionable um, why they would leave him out open because, you know, Cassidy and Kevin Dean know these knows Colin Miller better. So um, it's, it's just a weird move in that sense too. But uh, hopefully it'll be good. We have, uh, you know, Carlo Mc- McAvoy, um, Zaboral, DeBrus, Seneshin, um, Anders Bork, I could go on, who are going to be making the pro roster or their, you know, their debut sometime in the next two seasons. So it's good to have these guys who are like, who have experience with dealing with young players. And so that's something that can, um, that can work out for them. So I like that move. Um, speaking of Zach Ronaldo, who I just mentioned when I interrupted you on, on Chris Neal, uh, the Bruins have publicly announced that they won't sign Zach Ronaldo. Um, and so that's just, that's the end of the whole, the Zach Ronaldo, um, era. Um, yeah, one like, third round pick later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who the Flyers picked in that third round. Hopefully he doesn't turn out to be a good player, but. And, um, and what, what, uh, what year was that? I believe I believe it was like, so we picked him, it was like a 2016 third round pick. I okay. Think. Let's see. I'm going to Wikipedia this right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look right now too. Hold on. Yeah, sometime, I guess. Uh, yeah. Was it 2016 you traded? For 2017. Okay, so it's this year. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really funny though when you think about it. That that trade was like killed by everyone, and it's like a, it was like a three year pick in the third round later. Um, it's kind of funny, but um, so yeah, um, so the Flyers have two third round picks from us, or has a another third round pick for them. Um, also June fifteenth, which was on um, Thursday, this last Thursday. Uh, this is only, uh, uh, only a notable because this was the day the Bruins won their cup in 2011. So, um, I, and the happiest day of my life. So I felt like I wasn't should that, uh, mention wasn't that. Wasn't that, um, June 15th? That's what I said. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was just about to say, uh, yeah, I, I should probably <laughs> tell Brett this. Yeah. They won the cup like six years ago. Yeah. 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 It's it's like a daily reminder, like a, a yearly reminder that the Bruins used to be really good. Um, but, um, yeah. Uh, Just taking a look at... Um, oh, I also have one other th- news that apparently Ken Holland's declined to explain his reasoning for his protection list, including exposing Mrazek. He said that there's no side deal in place with Vegas. So this is this is like now. So he might this is, he I might eventually say, have a deal. This, this is border. Yeah. This borderline stupidity right now. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, just uh, taking a look, um, the trade from Boston, that third round pick is pick number 80. Okay. And in the mock draft, in one mock draft, they have... Um, Wait, there's a mock draft for that in the third round? <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is a draftsite.com, yeah. Okay. Um, and the 80th overall pick, Philly has them taking Jockton Cheney, a defenseman with the Halifax Mooseheads. Okay, interesting. All right, I'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, but, uh... Let me see if there's any other news before we I start this. Yeah, because God knows something's probably going to happen before we stop well, right. I just mentioned that Ken Holland thing, which is interesting. Um, let's see here. Oh, according to this, Blue Jackets and head coach John Tortorella are working on a contract extension. So that's news to keep an eye on okay. uh, for the next episode. All right. Well, well, next episode we'll have the um, we're gonna have the award stuff and the Vegas team. So we'll be we'll have we'll be uh, filled with that stuff. And I and, guess we'll, and then the NHL draft as well. We'll probably talk about some key picks that went how that. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, well, oh, that that will happen ahead. at that time. Yeah. So yeah. Um, social media. Uh, Laysome Podcast is our Twitter account. Um, Laysome Up is our Facebook account. Uh, we're also on fan tracks right now, so go to Podbean. They also have an iTunes account. I think eventually we're going to combine our iTunes and their iTunes. But for now, we're, on, we're also on SoundCloud and iTunes as well. We'll let you know when the switch has officially been made, but at the moment, we're on those two things. Also, quick plug, I wrote an article about the top 10 second-year players um, this year. Um, it's kind of an interesting list. Did you know that Sebastian Ajo uh, was the fifth in rookie scoring, Steve? I did not know that. Yeah. I know. I know he was. Uh, I know he was up there at least in the top yeah, ten. Yeah, he's behind. The only four players he was behind, which I think you can guess, are was Lane, uh, Aho. Uh, yeah, <laughs> said Aho twice. Lane, Matthews, Nylander, and Marner. Yep. In and, no particular order. And then it was Aho was fifth. Um, yeah. But uh, so I had fun making that top ten list. But that should be out on Monday or Tuesday. And I'll uh, post it up on our Twitter. And I think Steve does the same kind of stuff for his radio show whenever he talks about hockey. So um, uh, that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in another busy addiction, uh, uh, another busy edition of the Lace Up Podcast. Yeah.